Welcome, everybody, to episode 112 of the No Normal Show for Thursday, July 15th, brought to you by Revive Health. This is our weekly deep dive into how hospital and health system marketers can navigate what we call the no normal. I'm Chris Bevelo, Chief Brand Officer at Revive Health and your host for the show. I am joined by Gretchen Smithson, Marketing Specialist at Revive Health and our show's producer. Uh, just wave, Gretchen. Hey there. <laughs> oh, you're going to say hi. You're going to be brave. Um, we are also joined by Philip Giuliano, who is a partner at Brand Active and a longtime, longtime friend. Yeah. Has, yeah. He has over 20 years of experience defining and delivering complex solutions for global clients. He began his career in M&A and organizational change consulting. He spent a couple of years on the agency side in business development with Siegel Gale and is now one of the owners of Brand Active, where he has spent the past 15 years working with over 100 hospitals and health systems and many of Fortune 5 companies. Philip, great to see you, man. It's great to talk to you, Chris. Thank you. Thanks for having me on this. Yeah, so we were joking before. I'm not sure what's behind you. I'm not sure if that's a Game of Thrones thing or if that's like your, your – it looks like you could walk through that to Narnia and say hi to yeah. the king. What, what's going on there? It is. It is my – it's my part. I just – I parked two of the trees and I'm transported directly into the forest. It's great. <laughs> uh, it's a great way to end the day, actually. It's very, wow. it's very engaging and cool looking. I can't help but three D art has a tendency of doing that. So yeah. appreciate it. Well, looking forward to diving in with you, man. So we'll get yeah. to that in a second. Um, just some housekeeping notes uh, on this podcast. If you're new to the show, this is where we share industry trends, research, stories from people within healthcare, from people from without. Which Philip is both of those things. Uh, anything that we can bring to the table that will help you navigate what we call the no normal successfully. If you want to know more about what we mean by the no normal, uh, Gretchen is posting a link to a blog post we wrote last year. It kind of explains it. Essentially, we just mean the world's been turned upside down by COVID. And even, even as we move out of COVID, which we thought we were doing, um, now I guess it depends where you live and your um, exposure to Delta. Uh, that 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 kind of dictates whether you're moving away from COVID or not. But this is just a once in a century kind of event. And we have to rethink everything that we know about our industry, which obviously has been at the center of it, as well as what we do uh, in terms of branding and marketing, all the good stuff. So that's what we're doing here. Uh, if you are not with us live, or even if you are, remember, this is a podcast as well. Uh, look for that on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Spotify is usually up by the next day. Uh, also know that we always post a video recording of the episode by midday the next day. So that's tomorrow. You can see this uh, online if you want to see it again or share it with somebody else. You can find that at our website at thinkrevivehealth.com backslash no dash normal for this show and all 111 others it's all there and you can also see who we got coming up um so you'll preview who's who's on the slate for upcoming shows all right so i think that's it for housekeeping let's get into our topic so i gave a little bit of background on what we mean by the no normal that the world's been taken you know turned upside down and even as it writes itself uh normal is a long time off because there's it's going to take a long time for the dust to settle, for us to really understand the long-term impact uh, in terms of uh, just society, in terms of healthcare and our organizations, in terms of the consumer, all of that. So 
that's why we're saying like, just think of this whole time and maybe the next year or two as a nor normal kind of situation, which means we should be reevaluating everything that we're doing. And we've spent a lot of time in this show mm. talking about that in terms of reevaluating your brand strategy, your approach to digital, um, all those kind of things. Today, we have Philip here to talk about how you should hold that lens up to your own marketing function. So your marketing structure, your team, uh, how you go about um, pursuing the different goals and strategies that you pursue internally, your processes, all that good stuff. Uh, just like all the ways you go to market should be reevaluated, so too should uh, how you actually operate as a marketing function. Uh, and Philip and his team have done a lot of great work there. So we're just going to dive in. So Philip, let's let's just start with operational effectiveness, uh, which would be the goal sure. of anybody at any time. Um, but but talk to us about what you mean by that. Like, how do you phrase that, and why is it important? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I will say that now that I know that there's 111 of these, and you guys are so good at pushing out content, I feel a little bit less of a special flower. But you know, <laughs> I have a I, I have a solid ego, so I'm square on that. I um. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you're, you're, you're magic number 112. There's that, nobody hey, else who's 112. That, there's nobody else that can That's be right. 112. That's right. Um, I uh yeah, no, to, to your question though, I mean, and and to your lead into it, really. I mean, why is this even a thing, right? Why why are we talking about operational effectiveness, right? I mean, and and you know, in the healthcare space and outside of healthcare, uh, we've kind of got a few different pressure point kind of situations, right? The the first is, um, you know, budgets are actually shrinking. And, and, and we actually did a, a, a webinar on this as well. And we were surprised to find out how many healthcare marketing organizations actually weren't experiencing shrinking budgets, but were actually getting um, improved investments, right? But there still are those out there that are getting shrinking budgets. And so they have to figure out how to do more for less, right? Um, and then there's the people that are really investing in changing the way in which they operate. Um, you know, they are making acquisitions, so they're changing the way that they're structured. Um, all of these things bring about triggers to start to try and find um, the effectiveness and efficiencies that we're talking about here. And when we're talking about this, what are we really talking about, right? We're talking about people, processes, tools, technology, um, documentation, right? Even things like process documentation, guidelines, um, you know, the vendors that you're using, and then also um, the assets themselves and how many assets you have under management, how rationalized that is, et cetera. Um, so trying to sort of throw it into buckets, right? People, processes, tools, technology, agencies, vendors, assets. That's kind of what we mean by, by operational effectiveness. And um, I will say that when it comes to marketing, operations, um, even with our Fortune 500 companies, actually, as I would even say, you know, especially with our Fortune 500 companies that we work with, um, the idea of marketing operations, uh, I was on with a CMO um, just the other day, and, you know, he had been trying to push through marketing operations for years um, at a global technology company. Mm -hmm. And every time he would go to the CEO or the CFO, um, their eyes would roll. You know, marketing operations, what is that, right? Like we have Six Sigma and we have our processes and we do what we do over here in manufacturing and in tech development, product development, you know, operations, et cetera. But, you know, marketing, you guys, you're, you go do that creative thing and you sell our product and go do that, right? 
Um, so it's still a new idea, but we are um, we are starting to see uh, clients that we work with hire people um, in healthcare and outside of healthcare hire people with the title of you know director of marketing operations or VP of marketing operations. Many of whom have sort of been hired up through the the organization and. Um, to be totally frank about discussions that we've had, many of whom don't even know what their job is. Um, and so our first job is to come in and, and really help them, you know, define what is the next three years of your life going to look like, right? Where are the problem areas in the organization across those buckets that I talked about? And, and you know, what is a three-year plan for you to then go ahead and address them, right? So it's a new topic. It's a new idea. Um, the ways in which it can be optimized um, are generally things that people, um, especially in healthcare, don't have time to look at um, and don't know what to look at. So we're gonna we're gonna dive into some of those areas a little more in detail. Um, what I love about this is, in, in my experience in talking to health system leaders who are contemplating this, a lot of times what they'll do, where they'll start, is they'll they'll start with the org chart, right? They'll think, hey, we need to look at either operational effectiveness, we need to look at budget cuts or budget increases, um, or we're just trying to transform all the reasons you gave, right? Right. And they'll start with the org chart. And the 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 analogy I always use is, hey, the org chart is great, but that's like just focusing on the bricks and a wall, right? What you're missing there is the connective tissue between those blocks on the org chart, right? You can you can add or subtract or shuffle people all you want, right. but if you're not addressing all of the ways in which they work together, which is what you just laid out, then you're not gonna accomplish any of the things that you've set out to accomplish yeah. any degree of success, right? That is, yeah. it can be a starting point. It's certainly a major component, uh, but if that's all you do and you think that's gonna allow you to, to, to really, you know, effectively improve your operations, you, you're just like on the starting block. You, you haven't gone any far enough. So let's dive into some of this. So uh, one of the things when we talked about this, Philip, you, you said, you know, hey, the place to start first, the low hanging flute, flute. <laughs> That's a new term. <laughs> I, like it. I like it. It's a lot better than like the high hanging tuba. Yeah. I prefer the low hanging flute. The, the low hanging flute is process and looking yeah. at the processes. So talk to us about that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, honestly, I mean, this is why I love talking to you, Chris, is because you know, you 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 went you went right to where I would have wanted to go, which is, um, you know, it is really easy for an organization to say we need to cut costs, right? So let's do less advertising, right? Let's do less campaigns, let's have less people, right? Um, let's buy less media, right? That's, I mean, that's like, okay, sure, you can do all of that, right? But but have you looked at how you could actually potentially do more? advertising, do more um, campaigns, do more things that actually impact by streamlining the way in which you're doing things. And we'll get into a, a bunch of areas here around, you know, assets and vendors and stuff like that. But yeah, to your point, processes is where everything begins. I, I, honestly, I would even say, you know, clearly defined roles and responsibilities is where everything begins and well-documented roles and responsibilities is where everything begins. And, you know, particularly when we're dealing with, you know, some of the larger health systems that have, you know, a centralized marketing function, and then they've got system marketing functions, and then they've even got, you know, hospital level marketing functions or service line uh, marketing functions or physician practice marketing functions, right? There's all of this sort of decentralized aspect of things. Um, so clearly defined roles and responsibilities, obviously critically important, right? Um, 
But process uh, is, you know, I talk about it as how do we bring standardization, you know, simplification, repeatability, and efficiency to the things that you do every day, right? Looking at what do you do? How do you do it? Who do you do it with? Right? How efficient is that? Where are the bottlenecks? And how, how much does it cost you? And how can you do it all cheaper? Right? And most healthcare organizations that we go into when we're talking about, you know, mergers, acquisitions, partnerships, affiliations, JVs, um, even campaign um, management and development and that kind of stuff, they don't really have a standardized process from a marketer's perspective of the activities that need to occur, who's going to play what role within that stuff, how we transfer data and assets back and forth between one another, who has the role of approver, who doesn't, right? How much time is all of that taking and how do we improve that time to market so we're not wasting resources, time, that kind of stuff, right? All these things play into it. I mean, I, we even look at um, um, agency management, right? And, you know, you may have a, 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 a media buying agency, an advertising agency, a branding agency, a social media agency, or a digital agency. You, know, you may have six, seven, 40, you know, when we're talking about our corporate clients, agencies out there, and you don't actually have a standardized, defined operating procedure for how agencies are supposed to work with you right? How they're supposed to report into you, right? How they're supposed to store their data, how they're supposed to store their assets with you. You're just adapting to 40 different ways that agencies work, right? Which is tiresome and highly inefficient. So yeah. 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 All of those things are the low hanging fruit. Yeah. And so the, the agency thing I think is super important. And, and you talk about, you know, processes and guidelines for how the agencies work with you. And, and I don't know that there's any client that we have or any organization of any size that doesn't have more than a handful, right? Nobody's right. just got one. Right. Um, it's also about how they work together, right? Because 100%. this is a team. They're supposed to be working together on your behalf. Uh, and the more that I think you can, to your point, standardize and clarify roles among agencies and how they work together, the less burden on you. Because otherwise, <laughs> your job is the juggler. Your job is going, hey, agency A, I know you didn't know this, but agency B is doing that already. Totally. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. boy, if you if you're having to manage all that, um, that is a that is a full-time job in many organizations, understandably, but you can really make it a lot more efficient. Yeah. I mean, one of one of one of the more rewarding projects that, that we got to do was for a global med device and, and, and pharmaceutical company. And literally the entire project was to create a dashboard of agency projects, right? Where and full transparency, right? Every agency can see what every other agency is doing um, for the organization, right? Now, I mean, there's agency mapping things that kind of go on behind the scenes where we start looking at, you know, how how effective are the agencies for you and what, what can they do that they aren't doing for you? What are they doing for you? Is that even their wheelhouse? But anyway, I mean, just having one standard place, right? Where everyone can see what everyone's doing. So you don't have to be the reporter Right. And they can even click in and see the assets and see the creative and look at the develop. Like, I mean, they're all working for you. Right. Why not share that stuff? It's massively efficient. Yeah. Yeah. And so talk about playbooks a little bit more. OK. Um, yeah. This is uh, this would be another piece of low hanging fruit, I would say, um, you know, especially today. Right. Um, 
with the rise of, you know, affiliations, JVs, partnerships, you know, obviously M&A. I mean, you know, even the administration is pushing M&A um, in the healthcare sector at this point. So, um, you know, most organizations have a playbook for how it is they're going to operationally execute an M&A, right? I mean, Deloitte, McKinsey, you know, Accenture, everyone else, they, they've got their playbook, right? And this is, you know, IT integration, it's, you know, staffing plans, it's, you know, how are we gonna bring all that stuff together? Um, marketing needs a playbook for that stuff as well, right? Um, and, you know, most of that has to do with getting marketing at the table in those conversations significantly earlier than they are today, right? Because generally speaking, these, you know, deal due diligence happens, deal announcement happens even, right? You get halfway through deal closure before marketing has ever said, you know, hey, by the way, you know, this is really happening, you know, come up with a brand and do your thing. Right. right? Um, if, if then, if, if like sometimes then. it's <laughs> after closing, it's like, totally. hey, it's been a year. Maybe we should get to that to that brand synergy we talked about. Totally. And, and <laughs> you know, half the time, right? You know, you have two CEOs that sit down for a cup of coffee when they're dealing with the deal, and they're like, hey, we're going to call ourselves this, and then they give that to marketing, and you know, that's now our brand, right? So, you know, a lot of this playbook, a lot of these playbooks that we're we're, we're working with people to create are about. You know, look, here's marketing's role in the due diligence process. Here's marketing's role in the pre-announcement process, you know, and all of this stuff has benefits to the CEO, the CFO, et cetera, because with marketing playing a stake um, in how this conversion is going to happen, they can equip the CEO with real practical means of, look, we're not going to change overnight in this situation. Don't expect that, right? You know, or actually, yeah, listen, like these two organizations are coming together as a merger of equals. It is going to happen, you know, incredibly quickly. Whatever the message is, right, from a practical implementation standpoint, getting that message out is um, is really important. But so is the financial planning aspect of things. Um, most of the time, marketers are left with, um, you know, yeah, we've got this, you know, deal financing that's going to cover our IT integration and, you know, location closed downs or new location openings or whatever, which is great and, and highly efficient, but they haven't actually accounted for what it's going to cost to change signs, change marketing collaterals, change uniforms, change, you know, in branded environments, change fleet vehicles, you know, HR and HR systems, IT systems, you know, all that kind of stuff from a marketing perspective, a brand representation perspective, and all that stuff gets left out of the deal costs and on to operational expense, right? Which is a horrible way to account for stuff in the first place, right? Because that goes directly impacting the bottom line at that point, right? Um, and you're talking about millions, tens of millions in some situations in healthcare when we're talking about, you know, the larger health systems, over $100 million of cost to implement a new brand, right? So, you know, these, these are the things that should be in a playbook. What is our role at what time in the deal, in the deal process? How are we going to do all of that stuff? And again, how do we make that standardized, repeatable and cost effective and efficient? Well, I also I love that you're talking about this is not a it's not like a one size, one time fits all that you, you, you keep talking about how how does our role change over time? Um, and this is something that I think is super important for people to get right. When you're talking about this stuff, it doesn't happen overnight ever or right. not all of it Absolutely. does, and you've got to allow for, for changes. So a lot of times we'll hear from clients who are merging and they're like, hey, we need to talk about the value of this merger in the, in the, 
in the market. And it's like, okay, but nothing's changed and nothing will change. So A, you can't say, look at all this great stuff that we've done because it takes time for it to really right. show up. On the other hand, you can't say nothing's changed. So, so how do you transition the message? Or this is a classic one, particularly with a merger, um, as you bring in different entities in healthcare, how do you accommodate the phase between we are marketing as one kumbaya, that's in the future. Today we're marketing as five. You don't go from five to one overnight, which means right. you've you've all come together officially, legally, financially as one entity, but there will be a phase where you have different marketing goals, different marketing budgets, and oops, you've both marketed your cardiology services in the same geography. Yeah, and the exactly. doctors there are like, what's the deal? I thought we were all one now, and now they're competing with us. Like That happens every single time. And so you've got to just allow for that, that evolution and be thinking about it and get out ahead of it because you're not going to be able to just go to the end yeah. game. It's, it's the getting out ahead of it part that most people miss, Chris. You know, um, it's... You know, we, we, we talk a lot to people about, you know, listen, if, if you're if you're going through growth, right, whether it's mergers and acquisitions or it's organic growth or it's new service line development or whatever it is. Right. First things first, get your house in order. Right. You know, understand, you know, this is our current state. This is actually our ideal future state. Now, how do we fix everything that's going on today so that we're positioned to be scalable to achieve that future state efficiently? Right. That kind of planning has to happen. Whether again, whether it's a merger acquisition or you're just growing. Yeah, that I mean, so let's apply that to maybe one of the most important areas, which is technology. Okay. So obviously, if we're if we're in the health system space, and we I know this isn't just about mergers and acquisitions, but you know, the first thing everybody's gonna talk about is an EMR. But from a marketing operations standpoint, we know there's a lot of technology. And whether you're bringing in, you're merging, or you're just you're just Again, going back, like more budget, what can we do? Less budget, what do we have to cut? Or we need to be doing this way differently and way better. What needs to change? Talk a little bit about, you know, how to think about technology. Yeah. I mean, this is such a this is such an interesting topic, right? Because I mean, you know, what where do you go with technology, right? How far do you go, right? And what are the components of it? Um, you know, I'm gonna take probably the most simplistic aspect of marketing technology and that's brand management systems, right? Um, you know, I mean, literally from the simplest, we have our brand guidelines online and our logo files and our pictures, right? To the more complex of, yeah, and we've integrated business process management and, you know, MRM functionality. And, you know, we allow people to create things online and we've got our vendors inside of it and you like, even when, even when we look at brand management systems, we, we can look at one hospital system, right? And because of culture, politics, um, decentralized nature of how things have sort of evolved over time, um, they could have 30 different brand management systems um, inside of one health system, right? And they've bought 30 different brand management systems 30 times. Right. And they're paying for the technical infrastructure of 30 brand management systems 30 times. And they're paying, you know, and so on and so on. Right. Each of them have a resource that manages this stuff. So, you know, thinking about because there are great systems out there um, in that space, for example, that you can have one instance of. And then every single hospital system and every single hospital can have their own place within it. That's branded their style that has their own content that literally has their own navigation. Right. I mean, so. The idea that politics and culture should be playing a role in that is 
I mean, that's 10 years ago, right? Like the technology supports that not being a part of the conversation, right? And so really, and then, then you're left with the financials and the financials of the whole thing are ridiculously payback. You might have to buy a more robust system, but instead of spending, you know, $100,000 at the system level, you might spend $400,000 at the system level, but you're not spending $60,000 30 times and managing 30 different systems. So that's, I, I'm, I'm using that because that's, that's easy for all of us to get our minds around, right? But the same applies to, you know, things that you're doing for social media metrics, you know, things that you're doing for CRM, things that you're right. doing for your CMS, right? Yeah. You know, what are you doing from just even a web architecture perspective, right? You know, there is a role for um, big marketers and, and we're starting to see this a lot more with some of our, our larger health systems for big marketers to really say enough is enough, right? And, you know, I know IT has their thing, but, you know, we own this stuff. We use this stuff, right? And we need to reclaim that money, that budget, and do things in a more intelligent, more efficient, more consolidated and centralized way, right? And it's time for people to honestly just really buck up and take on the right level of centralization. It doesn't mean that marketing overall has to be centralized from a decision-making and how are we gonna market to our local markets or ministries or things of that nature, right? It's just operationally speaking, our technology stack, our data, our analytics, right? Our, you know, our guidelines, our assets, all that stuff should be rationalized centrally. And then you guys can go off and, and market that stuff, right? Market it the way that you need to market it if that's the way that the culture needs to play out. So do you have any advice for people that are trying to make that happen? I mean, we, I think we're, I think there are probably still hospitals and health systems out there that IT runs the website, but there's probably like four of them. <laughs> um, God bless. I mean, when we, when you and I, you and I, it was like 40% of them, right? right. Today, um, that's changed. But, but now we're, now we're looking at things like CRM moving well beyond where it used to be. Oh um, yeah. It's like a list management campaign engine uh, and something that's used across the enterprise to manage physician relationships, you know, truly manage patient relationships. Um, tied into the, the EMR, all of that stuff. Yep. How, any any tips for marketers, marketing leaders who want to own that or want to have a bigger role um, and wrest that away from IT? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think I think first and foremost is lead the business case. You know, don't don't make a brand centric or marketing centric argument for why you should own it. Um, you know, I think those are those are those are great inputs to the conversation and discussion, right? But um, own the financial analysis of why it's so important and own it from a cost perspective and also own it from an opportunity perspective, right? We should own this and we should understand this because think of the power we can have with BI and analytics. Think of what we can have when we are really the ones that understand, own and manage and can mine that data, right? And we have the resources here internally and inside of marketing to actually be able to do that, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I would say, you know, that's probably the biggest. Um, the next is, is definitely widening the scope. You know, you touched on it. Um, widening the scope of who can use this technology and how this technology is used, right? Um, it doesn't need to just be a marketing piece of technology, right? Yeah, and I mean, even, even, even without that, 
I mean, one of the things that, that we see so often are, are folks focusing on technology. CRM is the best example, but you could use brand asset management or CMS. Um, yeah. And they're buying into the right tools, but they are not really thinking about the right way to use them or they uh, don't have the right people or staffing levels to, to yeah. fully, you know, to me, again, I love analogies, uh, uh, the right CRM, like let's say Salesforce enabled, um, is like is like somebody just pulling up a nuclear submarine to your dock, yeah. right? And if they're just like, here you go, here are the keys, <laughs> right. you're going to be I'm in fine. trouble. Yeah. yeah, you're going to be in trouble. You got to have folks that not only know how to use this advanced piece of technology, but also understand how to use it within the greater fleet of ships you have, not yeah. in a myopic way. Yeah, I, well, I, and also evolve into it, right? Um, that's another piece is that, you know, we, we see clients so many times that, you know, a vendor will come in and show a piece of technology and the technology shows so well, right? Like it can do this and it can do that. And, you know, look at the ROI, it's going to get you by everyone entering all of their time and their activities and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, and it shows fantastic and it's got a great ROI case study and people buy it, right? And culturally, there's not a person within that organization that's going to do any of the things that need to be done for that system to actually perform that way, right? So you know, now you've just bought something that you're never going to get the ROI out of and you're not going to use the functionality of. Conversely, right, we have people that, that buy a piece of technology and don't know all of the other things that it can do for them to really drive ROI. So what we always share is that, you know, first and foremost, business requirements drive technology purchases, right? I mean, this is, you know, I come from the, you know, mergers and acquisitions, IT side consulting. This is, you know, old stuff, right? You know, get your business requirements squared away, get your functional requirements squared away, then go look for a piece of technology to actually support how you want to do business and the ROI that you want to see, right? Then you yeah. can go step by step into the evolutionary process of adding modules to that technology. All right, let's talk about one last thing here um, before we wrap in terms of- Time flies uh, when I'm talking to you, Chris. I know, it always does. Normally we have some kind of margarita or oh, bourbon God. situation going on. Please, please, that would be phenomenal. It's too early in the day, but well, maybe yeah, now. the next no, time. Not now, time. at some point. <laughs> uh, let's talk about, uh, we mentioned this before, you, you kind of had this before, but let's wrap with talking a little bit more about how to think about those vendors that you just mentioned. Yeah. And, and agency partnerships um, in a more effective way? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, I'll start off with the, the, the least obvious aspect of this, but one of the cooler areas, right, is, you know, when we think about a brand, right, you know, it's easier for marketers to think about partnerships, agencies, et cetera, vendors, um, as it relates to social, collateral, websites, you know, all those things that they control. Um, there's a really great opportunity for um, marketing to play a role and potentially reclaim budget from facilities, um, operations, uh, et cetera, for things like signage and vehicles and uniforms. And, and you know, we'll, we'll walk into one hospital and they'll have 20 different uniform vendors, right? Because, you know, mm -hmm. each nursing unit wants, you know, their own thing, right? And they've all gone out and found their own vendor to fulfill that, right? You know, there is a huge opportunity in healthcare to centralize um, vendor management and simplify the asset families themselves, right? So I'm just going to throw that out there quickly to say that, you know, 
Signage, you know, if you've evolved over time, I guarantee you have 200, 300 different kinds of signs out there. You should have 15 kinds of signs. Guarantee you've worked with 30 or 40 different vendors. You should work with three or four nationally, right? If you're a national system, right? Um, and all of that brings economies of scales and all of that is stuff that marketing can actually drive the conversation on. And again, potentially reclaim some of that control over quality and consistency and patient experience, but also dollars. So that's a huge opportunity. Those that want to take that on, go for it. Um, Insider marketing, right? And, and I mean, obviously, I mean, there's a lot that I can share on that. I'm just not going to take up the time that we have to, to talk about it. But, um, you know, inside of marketing, um, we talked about the agency side of things. And I would say that um, one of the one of the bigger missed opportunities when we're talking about, again, this isn't going to be, you know, the single hospital um, system with some clinics generally, because you've got, you know, one agency, three agencies, four agencies that you're working with. You know what they're good at. Um, you know what they do. Um, they're probably supporting you well. Right. But when you start talking about, you know, multiple system, uh, multiple ministry kind of health systems, um, then you get into the, OK, you know, what agencies are we using? across our health system, right? What are they doing for us? Um, what could they be doing for us? Who's performing really well? Who's not necessarily? And how do we basically build a matrix and map that, right? So that we can then start looking at reassigning things to people's strengths and also consolidating vendors towards a strength where we don't need four media agencies. We don't need four social agencies across you know, four different ministries. We need one. And again, we're gonna get economies of scale by doing that. How you use them to market is up to you, right? But our cost structure, our pricing, you know, rate cards, all that stuff, that's centralized and simplified. So great opportunity there inside of marketing as well. All right, awesome. I wanna ask you one last question and I'm gonna give you one minute to answer it. So you okay. have to think fast. You don't even know this is coming. I don't. Um, other than what I would assume is scale, okay. What is what is the number one difference you see in working with Fortune 500 or non-health system clients versus health systems when it comes to marketing operations effectiveness? Go. Emotional attachment. Well, Boom. For, well in what way? Who's more emotional? Who's more emotional? <laughs> um, I would say that on the corporate side, um, there is less emotional attachment to brand. Um, first of all, you know, by that, I mean, you know, all the individual disparate brands that, that, that have existed. Um, mm -hmm. Unless we're talking about an engineering company, then, you know, everyone's oh. got their baby and, every, and everything, everything needs their brand. Right. You know, on the engineering yeah. side. But um, but yeah, I would say less emotional attachment. So it's easier to make a rational argument um, on the Fortune 500 side that just says, look, here's the financials, right? Here's the plan. Here's the reasons why we're going to do it. And you can get people on board a lot easier um, than you can in healthcare. In healthcare, everyone's got their baby, right? Um, and you couldn't possibly change that because we've been a part of this community for 60 years, right? right? 160 years. And they know us as Philip Hospital. And it's like, well, yeah, because that's all you call yeah. it for 60 years. Of course, that's how they know it. Yeah, I would say less, less emotional attachment and more attachment to um, fiscal reality um, and fiscal opportunity uh, I, and more ability to really frame that stuff. That's super insightful. I mean, I, I, I've spent, you know, the last 25 years only working in this space. 
But what we tell clients when we're working through any kind of brand, and we work with you guys on this all the time, any kind of brand assessment for change, naming change, um, consolidation, merger acquisition, you know, all these considerations. And we leave them with a slide that says the number one challenge to doing this the right way is emotions and irrational thought and loyalty to brand. It's it's we we have seen the enemy and it is us always 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 always. It's yeah. not what's best for the consumer. It's not the financial case. It's it's none of those things. It's can we as a group get past our emotions? Like yeah. and every single time, man, every single time, that is what ends up being the biggest bugaboo. And, and even 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 the most like you know even with a CEO, right? We'll. we'll you know, a health system will say, we need to change our name, right? And a CEO will say, well, that's really great. You can change the identity, but we can't change our name because it's just going to cost too much and no one will go for that, right? Well, even that's just not true, right? Like if you're going to change your identity, you've basically spent exactly what you're going to spend to change your name, right. right? The only difference is, you know, what you need to do on the legal side and you can DBA that stuff and it's nominal. So it's like, right. you know, even stuff like that gets in the way and it's all conjecture and BS. <laughs> so yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah. All right, cool. That's a great way to close. Hey man, thank you for coming on. I know it took us 111 episodes to finally pull you in. We <laughs> won't wait another century uh, to do it again. I knew I shouldn't have said that. I knew it would come back to me, but uh, no, Chris, <laughs> this is uh this is really great. It's always fun to talk to you. I, I really appreciate it. And, and, and I just appreciate all of the content that you're providing the market around this stuff because uh, it's stuff people need to hear. Uh, and it's really solid. So thank you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Gretchen, you're back with us just to say goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for thank always, you. Gretchen, setting things up. Hey, if you want us to cover something, let us know. You can throw it in the comment section if you're with us live right now before we sign off. Or you can email us at nonormal at thinkrevivehealth.com. Uh, we love to bring in folks to talk about the things you want to hear. Remember, you can see a recording of this around midday tomorrow, thinkrevivehealth.com backslash no-normal. Uh, and also check us out and follow us on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And until next week, good luck out there in the no normal. Thanks for joining.